Well, it is that time again for the analytical look at the week's top news stories in South Florida with our roundtable. A little bit of fun, too. <laughs> We've got such a great group with us this morning. Some introductions first. Rosemary O'Hara is the editorial page editor at the Sun Sentinel. David Smiley is the political reporter for the Miami Herald. His previous beat there included Miami City Hall. What a beat that was. Marlon Hill is an attorney with the Hamilton Miller and Berthesel firm and is a past president of the Caribbean Bar Association. Welcome, everyone. Thanks Good so morning. much for being here. Great Happy to be here. Great to have you in. Good editorial today. We may get to it. Oh. David, welcome. Glad to have you join us here. Uh, Marlon, let's begin with you. If you can, bring us up to date on this turmoil in Haiti been going on since Friday when the government suddenly announced a huge increase in gasoline, diesel, and kerosene prices. What's going on? Well, you know, it's a very tenuous situation there right now as we speak. Um, the airlines are trying to decide whether or not they should renew their flights. But this all stemmed from um, the Haiti. The government had to sign an agreement with the IMF in February. Um, the International Monetary Fund. Right. Austerity measures requiring um, increases in fuel, fuel prices because every government needs fuel, no pun intended, to run the government. And um, the fuel prices are supposed to pro provide additional revenue um, to the government. But you know, these come from fuel price increases from previous years. So you have increases in regular gas, diesel, and kerosene. Right. 47, excuse me, 47% increase in the price of gasoline, uh, 47 in diesel, 51% in kerosene for a country where the average person earns $2 a day, for goodness sake, Rosemary. Uh, I mean, th these are just simply indefensible prices of hike prices, price hikes at this point, I think. Yeah, and energy is essential for daily living, you know. And um, did you want to say something there, Glenna? Uh, I always want something to say something about <laughs> after you finish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, um, part of, um, I mean, it's horrible. It's like Haiti just can't catch a break. Yep. It's just one, to, one nightmare after the other, it seems, and when it needs stability. But the other point I guess I want to make is that gas prices are rising everywhere. And there are protests in other places. And I know we're going to get into politics in a little bit. But there is um, nothing that really affects an election more than uh, rising gas prices. So we've seen truckers at the border before in Canada and in France. There's protests now in Brazil. So gas prices are rising in part because of Venezuela and, and our, what's going on with Iran. President Trump is asking Saudi Arabia to put out more right. uh, petroleum and well, lower the prices. But the prices are higher here, too. $2 a gallon, gallon gas yeah. is gone. I want to I bring David into this conversation because you, you focus on politics now. And Haiti is a South Florida story. And it is a South Florida political story. The ties that bind are just tremendous. And it seems like the, the protests that happen in Haiti, they always involve burning tires. That There is a pattern to protests that we've mm -hmm. seen, whatever the, the actual issue is. And there is just such a, a lack of hope and such a frustration that it seems like the, the politics here that is imported there just really doesn't have a way to control that. Yeah, it seems like the Western Hemisphere is a little bit on fire right now. And uh, I think, you know, what's yeah. happening in Haiti and um, the way that the Haitian-American population in Miami uh, supports that community uh, is a good example of why immigration uh, remains such a big issue 
in the country, uh, Central and South America, in the Caribbean, um, uh, there is a big rush uh, to a better life, and uh, people want to come to America. And but you remember, also, also, the administration doesn't even have full clarity on a Latin American Caribbean vision, in my opinion. You see what's happening in Nicaragua, yeah. you see what's happening in Haiti. And it's and not just a guess. And they know Kerosene that. is used mostly by the population. Yeah. You know, we have luxuries of having a stove. Most people have to use kerosene, and that was increased the most. And there's only so much people can take, right. especially and in a country like Haiti. And Venezuela, obviously, is a tremendous problem. And we only saw this uh, week reports that a number of months ago, President Trump, at a meeting of his cabinet or Security Council, had said, well, hey, you know, why don't we just invade down there and <laughs> take them over? Uh, which shows, in my view, complete ignorance of the history of America, the United States, and Latin America, which you know, has not been the shiniest. Right. You know, um, you can criticize President Obama for a lot of things, but one of the things that w he stood by was not trying to engage us in more foreign wars without a clear exit strategy. Right. This trade war he's gotten us into, I don't see the exit strategy there. And, and to just go and invade Venezuela, really? It's not, it's not the answer. This is going to spill over into our Florida politics coming into the midterm. What is U.S. Senator Bill Nelson and Marco Rubio saying about the situation in Haiti? Haiti has one of the largest immigration, um, immigrant diaspora mm -hmm. populations in the state of Florida. Yeah. And right. those politics soon after follow the Twitter speed for Jackie right. Charles, Miami Herald. You can get a sense of yeah. what's going on. Jackie yeah. Charles has an excellent piece in today's Miami Herald about what's going on in Haiti. She is just superb. And uh, don't forget reported. the whole TPP. I mean, yeah. we're, we're right. scheduled to send 50,000 Haitians back to Haiti because supposedly the country is normal now and it's, it's, it's you know, poised to take all these people back. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of uh, Senator Bill Nelson, he was in Miami this week. He was in Liberty Square taking the tour that so many elected officials have taken before him, David, uh, on you know, what they're doing there, the Miami-Dade Police Department and the Miami Police Department both have a joint effort to sort of zero in to quell gun violence. Was this uh, this tour that was mentioned in a press release, so the cameras were there, is this a this was a late showing for the senator, was it not? Definitely. You know, and the black community has uh, called out Senator Bill Nelson for perhaps not doing as much as he could have over his time in the Senate to try to represent their needs and listen to their concerns. Uh, I thought the same thing when he showed up at Liberty Square. You know, politicians in Miami, Senator Rubio, others were there weeks before him and months it, before uh, right and yeah. it and it uh and it made me wonder well why now um people aren't exactly at this point in time talking about liberty square they should be uh but uh it, se it did seem like he missed uh the boat a little bit well, well, he was, yeah, and I'm sorry, go, yeah. It's go never too on. late to arrive for your cruise, right? The cruise is coming up on August 28th. <laughs> Unless the, the election. boat leaves, it's not. Well, the boat hasn't left yet. The boat is going to leave on August 28th. He may be late, but showing up is always part of the equation. Never be late. And we should say the other half of that Senate race, uh, Governor Rick Scott was in Kuwait this week visiting troops, and um, he sort of booked some satellite windows and Skype interviews and did some Well, that was about that. the Senate race, too, more than about the Florida National Guard, in my view. But then that's what politicians do. All right, everybody, hold your thoughts. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with more Roundtable.
We are in the midst of a rockin' roundtable here with Rosemary O'Hara from the Sun Sentinel, David Smiley from the Miami Herald political reporter, and Marlon Hill, civic activist and wise man. Um, if, if I can't, let's move on to this really fascinating proposal to build a new soccer stadium, a huge office development restaurant retail on a golf course in the city of Miami, out by Miami International Airport. Uh, and, uh, well, I don't know what we're looking at. Well, that is the Mel Reese mm -hmm. Golf Course yes, out by MIA. Uh, David, on Thursday, the Miami City Commission, which you know very, very well, uh, is going to take up this issue. What do you think they're going to do? Uh, most likely, what you'll see the City Commission do is uh, hear out Beckham's team and probably tell them they have more work to do, come back in two weeks for their last meeting in July, and then they'll have a vote. That's what they've done over the last five years with these uh, large projects whoa, that need to go to referendum. Whoa, whoa, David Beckham is going to be in front of the Miami City Commission and they're going to tell him to come back in two if, weeks? If they're consistent, it's that's before. what they'll do. Yeah, <laughs> that's before. what they did to Jungle Island one year ago and ultimately Jungle Island didn't even get on the ballot uh, because uh, they have told developers that they need to vet their projects with the community and uh, let the public uh, vet their concerns, and so we'll see if they do the same thing with Bex. I think it's a missed opportunity, Michael. I mean, you know, I was in Brazil for the World Cup um, four years ago, and this right. discussion started, and, and all the hype and the different um, venues. Um, we're here at the second World Cup in Russia. We're about to go to a third work, World Cup in Qatar. I think we're going to be continuing to have a discussion. I think it's a missed opportunity for the for the Beckham team not to just talk openly and transparently what the vision is for soccer. This is the number one sport in the world. Well, he actually, number one city for soccer. He in actually the world. has talked very openly. David Beckham has talked very openly and, and with us about his vision for soccer public. and what he wants to do here. And he's yeah, been very public. He was public, on this program. Now, I mean, he did it. I mean, the, the question is that changed. they've been looking for a site. First, they had a site close to Overtown that just simply never was, I think, going to work out. But now they have talked about this site on a public golf course, a beautiful golf course. I asked Mayor Suarez the other day on Friday, uh, what about this? Do you support this? Here's what Mayor Suarez had to say. And you have a deal that's the opposite of the Marlins deal, where they're paying fair market value rent, they're paying taxes, they're privately financing the stadium, and it's going to referendum. I think uh, I don't think it gets much better than that for the public. And the, the delta in the amount of money that we're receiving right now is is a difference between two hundred fifty thousand dollars and ten million dollars, eight to ten million dollars a year. So it's a significant amount of difference. You've seen the architectural renderings. Yes. What do you think? I think they're beautiful. Arquitectonica did a magnificent job. They've been working with the commissioners to try to shape the vision. To me, the most beautiful part is, is the park. He's talking about the city park that would be created out of this, but they're gonna take roughly, David, half the Mel Reese golf course facility for this, including a office building of one million square feet. I mean, a huge development. I mean, can the roads, you think a roads around there can accommodate the kind of traffic that would generate? Uh, well, I drive west a lot of the time, and I would say that those roads are already pretty jammed <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, I would too. Um, you know, I, I, I do think how many people play golf versus how many people would use that 50, 60 acre park that they're proposing, that's a good sell. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a big deal for Francis Suarez. He wants to have more power. He wants to be strong mayor. He wants to be a big picture mayor. He wants right. to have big initiatives. Uh, and so this is a pretty he uh, heady proposal for him to be can, behind. Yeah. Can I offer up what I see is going to be the big, th this whole issue has been 
Beckham and his team wanted private land. They're paying for themselves. This is the land we bought in Overtown, mm -hmm. etc. Now it's public land, and they're going to be facing, rightly or wrongly, the shadow of the Marlins deal boondoggle. People are going to see a public entity going to private hands, and now they have not a, a beautiful stadium with soccer, for, but they also have a mammoth park that's going to be an, a, and business and a million square feet. The public-private dynamics Absolutely. are switched and that is going to be such a tough haul for David Beckham and, and Jorge Mas and I just drove team. by the beautiful green space coming here and David is correct there is construction happening there now but this is not a regular soccer player this is David Beckham right mm -hmm. England is in the semifinals what better opportunity to come to Miami and say listen well and, it's, and it's Jorge Mas who is Absolutely. with Mas Tech and his family's company uh, on the Forbes list I forget his number but he just topped like the the richest Hispanic business in some list, and he has tremendous uh, value in this community and a tremendous standing in this community, and he has taken the lead, Rosemary, has he not, to this Well, deal? what I would add is that um, it's funny how public officials, when they talk about these deals, always talk about the money that would come into the city and, you know, a better use for land. I'm not sure money is what citizens are most looking for. On the other hand, we have a number of city-owned golf courses across South Florida that are failing. So when I looked at the, the video, of, I haven't seen this golf course, but when I looked at the video just now, huh, it didn't look all of that spectacular. Is there a, a nicer public place that is also an entertainment center? It would have soccer fields for kids to, to play soccer. Right. That sound, there sounds like there's some appeal in that, but I agree with you, Marvin. I mean, show us, show the plans. I understand there was some event where, you know, you had, it was invitation only and they wouldn't let the Hasn't press happened in yet. this week. This week. Well, that, oh. And to be fair, that was, uh, that's an event that's going to be put on by the Miami Beach Chamber of Commerce. I don't think it's great optics. Uh, and historically, you know, we Francis Suarez. You can crash it if you like. You want to uh, I, I could. Uh, uh, <laughs> historically, Francis Suarez has pushed back against uh, Tomas Regalado, his predecessor's uh, Friends of Marine Stadium deal, saying that this was a stadium deal that was late developing and needed more public vetting. Uh, and he also previously pushed back against the city partnering with developers on park space. So there's some interesting history for him. I'm going to attend the reception. I want to hear more. Which reception? The reception. At the Satai? Um, at the Satai, absolutely. Will I you want to get hear more. some yeah. video? Do some interviews? I want to hear well, more. I want among to see more. other things, not that I'm an expert on the Sunshine Law, but members of one elected body may not meet together without public notice or without public That's right. appearing. And and if they go to this event and they get all these facts on which they're supposed to vote the next day, I cry foul. Wait, I, I don't think they'll go, but oh, well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> commercial time. We'll, we'll pick this up <laughs> when we come right back. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back. We are, we are conducting we just don't stop. A, a round table. It never stops, even during the commercial breaks. Uh, let's look at the governor's race and the Senate race. And in the, in the governor's race, uh, Rosemary, we've got new information this week about Adam Putnam, Tampa Bay Times, wrote a, another story that seems to indicate that his management of the office uh, in which concealed weapons permits were issued, that the management just was simply not very good, and that does not reflect well on his ability to be chief executive officer of the state of Florida. Right. Adam Putnam continues to be the front runner, the establishment candidate in the Republican race. 
but he is taking some hits, rightfully so. He dismissed the first report about failing to review the results of background checks, mm -hmm. saying it was just one person's responsibility and they've been fired. Now we find out, because of added reporting, that that wasn't the whole story, that there was really a culture in his office of those responsible for such an important part right. of what his office does and something that he's running on, the fact that there's like 1.8 million uh, concealed weapons, that there wasn't um, oversight and the kind of process in place is a big black eye on and, him. And that process was going on even before he became head of that office. But it, it seems like at this point, it's almost, you know, the cover-up is worse than the crime. The, the fact that it just hadn't ever been made public is almost more troubling, is it not, David? Oh, yeah, he could have totally diminished uh, the role that this is playing in the election simply by releasing the audit when it came out. Right. Uh, politicians do that all the time. They just dirt on themselves because it makes sense to get it out now yeah. instead of letting it hit them when it's going to be far worse, and, yeah. and he played it the wrong way. You can't yeah. miss with um, transparency and disclosure. He missed the ball on that. He has some catching up to do. I think both parties though Michael are, are really trying to find their temperature as to what who they are right now and that's what that's playing out on the Republican side it's also playing out on the de Democratic right. side it is well. and on the Democratic side last weekend at the diplomat in Hollywood the Democrats met for their blue weekend whatever kind of a mini convention and it appears the star of the show there the one who really kind of wowed people was Andrew Gillum, the mayor of Tallahassee. I do think he has the momentum right now in terms of the soul of the party. That's, an, that's going to be interesting to watch as a four-person four race um, going into the... But the Democratic Party right now, I think, has the momentum and the energy and the motivation going into the August 28th. Five-person five race now, and Jeff Green has been up Absolutely. with commercials right. this week. He's spending a lot Spent of money. Spent $6 million yeah. in June. That's a lot of money. The money that's in this race is just overwhelming and really when you talk about the soul of the Democratic Party I would say the soul of the Republican Party who knows what they are anymore mm -hmm. the parties in this election are as irrelevant as they've ever been now it's about political action committees it's about these these charitable group committees and so now we see these billionaires who are putting money into one of the, the Democratic candidates? Win this year, um, but they're putting them, people over money this this election. But they're putting the sure. money into Andrew Gillum's race. Sure. I'm not sure he's the soul of the, the Democratic Party. I mean, I think he is the far left of the Democratic Party. When he talks about abolishing ICE, I think I think people want Democrats want someone who can win. I'm not sure. I want to know more about him. I think that the that absentee ballots are going out at the end yeah. of the month and so many of us don't really know these candidates yet. I think, I think you'll have the opportunity when you have your editorial board um, meetings with all these candidates and you guys in the room give us a sense. But right now you have to pay very close attention as to how people are responding, even with the special elections, Michael, that have happened in the last few months all across the country. You can see it, you can sense it, yeah. and you have to pay attention to that. Well, I do think being at the gala, uh, Andrew Gillum did seem like the one most likely to inspire Democrats. Uh, he's polished and he has a message that resonates with people, but I don't know if the financial disadvantage and the yeah. uh, FBI investigation in Tallahassee is gonna, if he can overcome all Do that. Do you right. think that's because, you know, right now we have a primary where the base is the focus. And, you know, you look at the other candidates, for instance, a, a Gwen Graham, who is a moderate, who was a Democrat congresswoman in a very sort of moderate to Republican district. And in, in a primary, is she just not resonating as much because 
a primary audience is, is the far part of the party. This boils down to South Florida and Central Florida. Um, we have way more registered Democrats across the state than, than Republicans and independents. The close primary, like you said, South Florida has 30 plus percent of the Democrat, registered Democratic base. However, in the, in the primary, a primary audience for the candidates in a primary, you're going to have someone like Andrew Gillum, who is the progressive, who is the left of the party, who's, you know, whose oratory is amazing. I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't stand to reason that that is who is rallying the base, but not necessarily who might be the candidate who resonates when you get to the general. When you're running a race, you have to get to first base first, right? That's you true. have to get first to the tape after the, after the primary, you have that discussion. Um, he has to mobilize his voters to get them out to vote on the 28th, and I think that he's on his way to doing that. I think uh, Gwen Graham is not resonating because we don't really see her. I mean, mm -hmm. Phil Le Philip Levine is, is neck and neck or leading in polls because he has spent so much money already, and people think they have a sense of who he is. I think Gwen Graham is, is in second place in a lot of these polls based on, you know, family history, but I don't think people know who she is. Yeah, it's really a race that has not caught fire with the public or even intra-party, but we will see because we're mm -hmm. coming up on August 28th soon. Thank mm -hmm. you all for coming <laughs> in. David, great to great have you. To have you. Come on you. back. Appreciate it.